0: Like, something bad is happening to me. God, why have you forsaken me? And God says, I haven't forsaken you, You. right? Now, when Jesus was on the cross, the Father forsook Jesus because all of your sin was poured on Jesus, and the Father turned his back away and turned his face away from Jesus. And Jesus took that wrath of God, and that's why the Father forsook Jesus. But David felt the same way. That's why he wrote the psalm. But the answer was, God says, I have not forsaken you. So the minute you feel like God has forsaken you, he has not forsaken you, right? But you can still have the question. You'll still feel that way. Next question, how long? <laughs> have you ever asked God this question? How long? So there there's so many times in the book of Psalms, the same question comes up again and again. How long, right? Lord I, yeah cuz I had to wait 39 years to get married you know so I said I'm I'm 38 years old and I'm still not married Lord how long right and God says just wait one more year and Bethany's coming you know like I'm 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 already 38 years old you know I got married when I was 39 so anyway so how long Lord right and so maybe sometimes you may, you may go through something in your life and It takes forever for something to change. You're waiting for something to change and it never changes, right? Sometimes you feel like you're in a jail, not a physical jail, but like an emotional jail or a circumstance jail. And you say, God, get me out of this jail. You know what God says to you? I will come into your jail and be with you. (laughs) I'm not going to let you out of that little jail right now, but soon I will let you out of that jail. But while you're in the jail, have a good time because God is with you in the jail, and start a jail ministry, <laughs> right? Start a jail ministry. Whatever jail you're in, start a ministry right there, you know, because God's with you. So we say, how long, O oh Lord? How long? How long? How long? So the next question is, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, why sit we here till we die? Now, when you read this story, it's about, it's spoken by lepers, who are in a famine, risking their lives to get bread? So uh, that's why this this uh, list is homework for you because you have to read the chapters. I'm giving the cha- the questions. Yet, if you read Second Kings chapter seven, there's a fam. There's no bread. There's no water, and these guys have leprosy, the skin disease, and they and they see that there's bread. Over, they they notice they're hunting where bread is and where food is. But the enemy's camp, they're they're looking at the enemy across the valley, and they have all the food, right? And and so they're they're about to die. And so they think, why are we sitting here until we die? And so they get up, they say, we're going to trust God, and we're going to go to the enemy's camp and see if we can get the bread. And when they go to the enemy's camp, they find that God had caused a stir in the enemy's camp where they heard a noise, and they got up and they just ran away. The enemy ran away. And they left the food, like the barbecue was all there, you know? And so the lepers, these, these, you know, skin disease guys come into the camp and they get the, all the food, you know, cause they're all, the enemy's gone. So in other words, sometimes you have to ask yourself a question in your life. Why are you sitting there until you die? Right? Like some people are just going through life, just sitting there until they die. Right? When God says, get up and go. but but that's the enemy's camp i can't go i'm going to cause the enemy to flee and when you get up and go you're going to find some treasure you know so that's just like a little parable of life right that you can find what you need if you get up off of your uh blessed assurance right (laughs) so next question number uh 11 shall not the judge of the earth do right? Abraham asked this question because Abraham was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the story when God said Sodom is an evil city, sinners, uh, horrible evil sins they're doing in Sodom. God says, I'm going to send judgment on Sodom. But Abraham said, Lord, but what if there's 50 good people in the city? Will you spare the city for 50? And God says, yes, I will. I will not judge the city if I find 50 people faithful to me and then Abraham says well, what about 40 you know because he knows there's not 50 people there and finally he gets down he says God what about 10 <laughs> and that's God's minimum quota for the city or something so so finally Abraham says shall not the judge of the earth do right and then of course God saves the people who want to be saved out of Sodom so before Sodom gets destroyed everyone who wants to be saved has a chance to get out And it's the same thing true today. This whole earth is going to be destroyed. We learned from Pastor Sam Miles' message about the the fire that's coming next time. So everyone on earth is going to have a chance to be saved, right? Shall not the judge of the earth do right? But it's a deep question we have because sometimes we feel that God is not doing right. We see something happening. We think, God, you're not doing right, right? But do we trust God because We know that God knows better than us and God understands situations better than us. So we should not accuse God saying, God, you're not, you don't have a good heart, God, you're not doing right. We should still ask the question, God, shall you not do right? And God says, yes, I'm doing right. You know, just trust me. Right. So the next question is deep questions that men have. Okay. The the disciples say to Jesus, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, isn't that a deep question? You remember the story when they meet a blind man? And so, now this is P- Peter, James, and John, the key disciples. They're asking this question. So we, it, we're the disciples today, so we should have the same question, right? We, we see someone suffering. Maybe they're disabled. They're, they're in a wheelchair. Maybe they're deaf. They can't hear. They're blind. They cannot see. We say, God, now, who sinned? Like, why are they suffering? I know that either their parents maybe sinned or they sinned because that's why suffering happens is because of your sin. And Jesus said, no. Now, sometimes suffering happens because of sin. But here, Jesus answers the question. I didn't give the answer, but if you read John 9, Jesus says, it's for the glory of God that this man was born blind. So that God, so that people would see the glory of God in his life. And so this is the answer today that we give people. You know, I, I love the story of people who have gone through living in a wheelchair. And then they, instead of complaining, they minister to other people with wheelchairs. You know, like for example, this, this famous woman named Johnny Erickson Tata, who has been paralyzed all of her adult life. And she was angry at God because she got paralyzed and she's sitting in a wheelchair. She's saying, God, why, you know, did I, did I sin that this happened to me? God says, no, you did not become paralyzed because of your sin. God says, I'm going to send you to be a missionary to all the other people who are paralyzed. Right. And so Johnny Erickson Tata took that wheelchair and she traveled the world When she went to Africa and India, where Bethany and I go, you see people who don't have wheelchairs and people who are paralyzed and their family is ashamed of them. And the family will hide these disabled people behind closed doors and and not allow them to live a full life. And so Johnny's ministry would travel to these places and say, bring out your disabled people. We're going to have a party for the disabled people. You know, we're going to celebrate their life. And we're we're going to give free wheelchairs. We're going to give education. And we're going to give care for the the caretakers. We're going to give respite care for those who care for them. And so Johnny Erickson Titus started a worldwide ministry called Wheels for the World. And she is being used by God to love people who have the same problem she has. And that's why God allowed the problem. So sometimes you will have a problem in your life, not because of your sin but because God wants to show his glory in your life to reach other people. You know, other, something really funny about that is Johnny Erickson Tata is getting very old now. Uh, she's like 70 some, almost 80 years old or something. And so she had a prayer. She thought when, when, when she's gone, when Lord takes her home to heaven, who's going to, who's going to continue her type of ministry to, to love people who have disabilities when she's gone. You know, the Lord answered her prayer. There's a guy named Nick Voyage, right? You know, the, that guy, Nick, who was born with no arms and no legs. You ever seen him on YouTube? And he just hops around. He's got no legs and he's got no arms. And he's got no problems, he says. So he's got no arms, no legs, no problems. And, uh, and so Nick Voyage, like he's, he's like taking the leadership of that community of people who care for people who have disabilities Because he's born with no arms and no legs, you have to listen to him, you know. He has so much joy, he'll preach and love people. And people say, hey, if if a man with no arms and no legs has joy, I can have joy, you know. I have value. I have value in my life. So these are people that you think, God, why? God says, I'll tell you why. (laughs) Right? Next question we ask. In Psalm 8, 4, it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Of course, so David said that. So in prayer, you say this you say, God, who am I that you would even think about me? You, that's a good way to start your prayer, right? Because sometimes we come together, we say, God, you got to listen to me. You know, I have my sense of entitlement. And instead, we should say, God, you know, I, I don't have any rights from you, uh, but you made me a child of God. So now I, I do have rights as a child of God. But, but who am I that you would even think about me? That's why David was a man of God, because he would pray like that. Next question is, uh, now, jo- Job said this. Now, I have actually asked this question, even as a Christian. Why did I not die from the womb? Now, that's a depressing question, isn't it? Because when, when you're really suffering and you're going through heartache and you're going through pain, sometimes you just like, I just want to give up. You know, well, In other words, the question he's saying is, what is the purpose for my life? Like, why didn't I just die earlier? I, in other words, you know what? If you're not dead, God still got something for you to do, you know? You can say, God, why am I not dead yet? That's a good prayer, right? God says, I haven't allowed you to die because I've got something more for you. You're valuable to me. Isn't that good news? If you're alive and you're not dead yet, you're valuable to God. God has something for you to do. <laughs> so don't give up. Don't think, okay, I'm just finished, God. what? I'm ready to go, you know. Elijah said that. That's, that's why I can testify before you that this is a question that even, even holy people have this question because Elijah the prophet was serving God and had victories over the prophets of Baal. And then, and then he got chased by Jezebel and he said, God, I just want to die, you know, right? <laughs> Elijah says, you know, I'm the only one left. Elijah said, I'm the only one, Lord, you know. So you can feel like that. Now, the next question comes uh, in Psalm 4, who will show us any good? So, so this is a, another psalm prayer where you're praying before God and you're asking, who's going to show me something good? <laughs> God, are you going to show me something good? Are people going to show me something good? Who's going to show me something good? Next question, master. Now, we looked at this in our, home, in our Bible studies. Don't you care that we perish? You remember that story? In the storm, when the, they're, they're in the boat and the storm comes, and what's Jesus doing in the midst of the storm? He's asleep. He, he's fine, you know, he's got a pillow. And they say, Hey, don't you care that we're perishing? So that tells me that we will have the same question when, when you face your fire in your life, when you face your storm in your life, you're gonna feel like Jesus doesn't care. And it's okay to say that. J- Jesus is not offended by your question although he will rebuke your faithlessness, right? So don't you care? All right, the next question in Matthew 11. Now, John the Baptist says this, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? John the Baptist, a doubter, asked Jesus this question even after John the Baptist already had heard God's booming voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Now, this is a deep question right here. I want you to meditate with me. These are questions I want you to think through. John the Baptist, great man of God, has already been used by God to introduce Jesus. This is the son of God. This is the Messiah. And John the Baptist sends all of his disciples to Jesus. But then John the Baptist gets put in jail, right? Soon, the evil King Herod is gonna cut off the head of John the Baptist, is coming pretty soon. In the meantime, what is John the Baptist doing? He's all alone. His food is probably horrible. Uh, he, he's having doubts. Can you believe that he would have doubts? Oh, holy men never have doubts, right? I know, since I've become a Christian, I've never had a doubt. No, I've had doubts lots of times because John the Baptist says, uh, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? <laughs> I know I said that you were, but are you really, you know? So you know what that tells me? You're going to feel the same way, aren't you? Sometimes, like, if you go through those deep valleys, you're going to feel, you know, is Midtown Baptist Temple really my church, you know? <laughs> is, is the Bible really the word of God? Is Jesus really my Savior? Like, you're going to question everything, especially in your suffering, right? And God will give you the answers. God will say, yes, you know, yeah, God will give you the yes And Jesus answered, he says, go tell John the Baptist this, the blind are receiving their sight, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are being raised to life, the gospel is being preached to the poor people, and tell John he'd be blessed if he's not offended at me, (laughs) right? So Jesus didn't say yes, he gave like a, he gave a clue. (laughs) He's like, I'll give you a clue, If if you think that I'm not the Messiah, let me give you some clues, of what i'm doing and then you think am i the messiah so i love that question but then see after jesus gave him that that clue then jesus uh if you read the context of matthew 11 the people say who was john the baptist and and jesus says there is not then a greater man on the earth except for john the baptist has been the greatest man on the earth now can you believe that jesus built up john the baptist as the greatest man after john the baptist doubted right john the baptist said jesus are you really and jesus said you know what i I want you guys to know something about john the baptist he's a doubter he's a coward no right jesus didn't jesus did not badmouth john the baptist jesus said john the baptist is the greatest man who ever walked the earth after he already heard the doubts right and Jesus will say the same thing about you. Jesus thinks you're the greatest, you know. You just, you just don't think you're the greatest, right? <laughs> so uh, next question, uh, number 18. Uh, in Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul says, you know, the good things that I know I should do, I don't do. And the bad things that I know I shouldn't do, that's what I'm doing. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death, Romans 7. The next verse says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, therefore there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? So the answer is, Jesus will deliver you from the body of this death, and there will be no condemnation for you because you're in Christ. And when you realize that you're in Christ, then you get full of the Holy Spirit, and the flesh is just suddenly forgotten, like you're so busy with the Holy Spirit, your flesh, oh, what I forgot about my flesh, you know, because you're so full of the Holy Spirit, your flesh just, it's gone. But you still ask this question through the crisis of your sin problems, you say, Who will deliver me from the body of this death? It's Romans 7. So read that chapter for your homework. Next one is uh, number 19, Psalm 116. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits? Toward me, that's the right question. So, so this is a question we should ask in prayer every day. God, you've been so good to me. What shall I give to you? You, you God, you have first given to me, now I give it back to you. Right? And uh, I, I like this little parable about a father who's giving his child uh some some blessings, some food or whatever, and the father is just giving to the child and giving to the child, and the child says. Oh, Father, thank you. You've been so good to me. What should I do for you? And the Father says, ask for more. <laughs> I hear God say that to me sometimes. I say, God, now what should I do to perform to show you how thankful I am of what you've done for me? And God says, ask for more. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a way to pay God back is to ask for more. <laughs> In other words, you're not doing anything. It's God's doing it for you okay and then the final question i have is i i tapped out the whole story okay if you look in the notes in in this little story i'll read it and one said be content i pray thee and go with thy servants he's talking to the prophet elisha and the prophet answered he says i will go so this prophet elisha he went with them and he came to the jordan river they cut down they're, they're cutting down wood with their axes but as one was felling a beam he's cutting the wood with the axe the axe head fell into the water and he cried and alas master for it was borrowed it's not my I borrowed that tool from a friend and the man of God said where fell it and he showed him the place and he cut down a stick so he took this uh, stick from a tree he put the the wood in the water and he cast it thither and it says the iron did swim therefore he said take it up to thee, and put it on, uh, put it in his hand, and he took it. So this is a funny little story that as you read the Bible, you read a lot of stories are like, what does that mean? Look, what's happening there in that story? This is Old Testament weird stuff, you know? But see, the prophet, the man of God, there are people relating to God through him, and this man is just trying to do his work in the field, and an accident happens. You ever had an accident happen to you? And then you lose something. You ever lost something like your keys, Sean, or no, your phone, your phone. You ever lost your phone? Sean lost his phone a few weeks ago, but then the Lord brought it back. Your phone swam because the, the, the ax head gets, and then he finds it. And then the prophet causes it to come up and it comes back to him and your, your phone swam in the water. So. So, that, but the question is that I love stories like this in the Bible because it gives us like our psychology. And it, so the prophet of God says, okay, you lost your axe. It was an accident, right? You're in, you have this emergency because it was borrowed. It's not, it wasn't my axe. So, I'm, I'm going to, this guy's going to be angry at me, right? That's why I love the Bible because the Bible is full of normal stories that happen to us. It's not some religious book of, oh, holy people who never sin. It's the Bible's full of stories of people who drop their axes by mistake, you know, and it falls into the water and they, and they can't find it. The Bible's full of stories like that. It's people like you and me, you know, we're just a bunch of bunch of rednecks, you know. <laughs> so, you know, what happens is the, the prophet says this question, where did it fall? Right. So that's a question that you can ask people and you can ask yourself. Like, for example, if, if you're depressed, or you're angry, or you've lost something, usually the, the best counseling problem is, where did you first lose your joy? Like, if you have joy in something, and then suddenly you're sad again, a, a good counselor will say, where did it fall out? You know, in other words, let's go back to the cause of you had joy, and now you're sad. When did it change? So it's a, count, it's a psychological question. Like, hey, where, where did you lose your joy? Where did you lose your precious things? And then this is a, a psychological question that can lead you to the solution of how do you get back what you've lost? How can God cause what you've lost to come back? Because God has asked you the question. You know, God asks many questions like that in the Bible where he says, hey, he says to Jacob, what's your name? You know, he says to other people like, uh, I'm going to show, on this next page. I'm going to show you the questions that God asks. So let's turn the page <clears throat> to the questions that that God asks. N- number one, when Adam and Eve sin in the garden. Now this this is the first question. And now Satan asks the first question, right? Satan says, "Did God really say that?" But what is the first question that God ever asks? Adam, Adam. Where are you, right? And God will ask you the same thing every day in your prayer. When you pray, God will say, where are you? <laughs> you know, if you try to hide from God, God will say, where are you? Huh? So you'll hear God speak that to you. And, and God is just testing you, if you will be honest, because Adam is hiding. And then Adam begins to make excuses. You go, oh, it's because of my wife. It's my wife's fault, you know. And, and he starts trying to come up with reasons why he's hiding from God. So God is always testing your honesty. So will you confess what happened? Or will you try to make excuses or lie about it? And then the next question is, when Cain and Abel are born, Abel offers a lamb sacrifice. Cain offers vegetables, right? And then God says, where's your brother? Because Cain killed his brother. But what I like about this is this, the first two questions of, of, that God asks, where are you? And then where's your brother? So you can use that in your, your life. God wants to know where you are first, right? Like where are you? In other words, where are you? Are you at the cross? Are you, are you related to God through Jesus? Like, where are you? Are you in church? Are you in fellowship with the church? Where are you? And after you figure out where you are, then figure out where's your brother because you are responsible for your brother or, or your sister. Amen. So God says, hey, where's your sister? I know you're in church, but where's your sister? I know you're in, you're a Christian, you're at the cross, you've been saved, but what about your brother? Is your brother saved? You know, you're responsible to help your brother and your sister. Now, who is your brother and your sister? Everyone, <laughs> not just your physical brother and your sister, but every single person you meet is it poten- could be your brother and sister if, if they trust jesus They're your spiritual brother and sister of course we found out from pastor sam miles that we're all cousins right then we everyone can call each other cuz right so where is your cuz right all right now that this next verse i break, bring up because when jesus is 12 years old we don't have a question for him but it says The young Jesus is asking questions to teach, and Jesus would always answer answer a dishonest question with a question, before I answer you, you answer me this, was John the Baptist from God or from men, which son did the will of his father? So the point I'm making is Jesus was always asking questions, even when he was 12 years old. If you you look at the story in Luke chapter uh, 2, you remember when Mary lost Jesus for like two or three days? You remember that? And Mary's walking, going to the temple, and then going back home. And then somehow she's like, where's Jesus? You know, he's 12 years old. Well, he's a 12-year-old, you know, like all 12-year-olds get lost, right? So Jesus didn't get lost. Jesus was in the temple, and Mary left. And and then they found Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Don't you know that I was going to be about my father's business? But then it says, if you look at this verse, it says, they found Jesus, teaching the pharisees and the and the and the priests and it says he was both answering them and then asking them questions so this is jesus method of teaching he would speak something to these religious priests but then you say but what about this and what about that so jesus teaches through questions even when he was 12 years old you know how many of you guys get uh disturbed when a 12 year old starts asking you questions you know Right, But Jesus was that 12 year old. Amen. So <clears throat> what are some more questions that God asks? Uh, I'm on number four now. It says First Kings 19. What are you doing here? God said to Elijah as Elijah was depressed and lonely and fearful. That's after Elijah got the victory over the prophets of Baal. Then Jezebel attacks him and drives him away. And Elijah goes to the juniper tree in 1 Kings 19, and he just wants to die. He just wants to quit. And God says, What are you doing here? And you need to hear God say that to you in your prayers. You know, as soon as you get a little bit off in, in your spirit, God's gonna say, what, what are you doing here? You know. And God would be so kind to say that. Like, God's not like, What do you what's wrong with you? No, he's like, there's a tenderness in God's voice, right? That's what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Get back to where you once belonged, you know? So Elijah went through that. Now, the next question is uh, Mark 4. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And that was in the storm, the storm in the, in the boat. The next question I love this one. Jonah, in Jonah 4, he says, do you well to be angry? So Jonah is called by God. You know, how many of you guys know the story of Jonah, right? God says, Jonah, go and teach and preach and reach the people because the people of Nineveh, I want to call Nineveh back to God. And Jonah hates the people of Nineveh. Jonah says, I will not go to help those people. I want them all to go to hell. I don't want them to go to heaven. And so Jonah says, I'm not going, I'm, God, I'm not obeying you. And Jonah went the other way to Spain, Tarshish, Spain, right? And so, uh, and then Jonah sits there. He, at the end of the book, he's angry. He's angry that Nineveh got saved. <laughs> and God says, is it good for you? Is it well for you to be angry? So the, the next time that you're angry, I want you to hear God's voice say this to you. How many of you all struggle with anger? <laughs> I do. I get angry all the time, right? Road rage. <laughs> but but sometimes, sometimes our anger is more than just like an instant road rage, but sometimes our anger is like building over some circumstance or some person, and it's like day by day, and you, just, you start thinking about that one thing, and it just m- starts to make you angry. And so, God, you need to hear God's voice in this question as you pray. And God says, is it good for you to be angry? You know? Uh, now, God says that even he was angry. Some, sometimes Jesus was angry, right? And he drove people out of the temple who were trying to do corrupt money changes in the temple. But then the Ephesians chapter 4 says what? Be angry and sin not, Ephesians 4.26 don't let the devil have place in your life, Ephesians 4. But it says, give your anger to God and forget. It says, forgive. Bef- it says, before the sun goes down, forgive. So isn't that a good uh, way to live life? Is that every day you get angry, but before you go to sleep, forgive and give your anger to God. Because God's going to say, is it? you think it's good for you to go to sleep angry? You, got, you have to say, no, God, it's not good for me to go to sleep angry. And take the forgiveness pill before you go to sleep, right? So, even if you you don't feel like forgiving, you don't feel like giving your anger to God. But just say, God, I don't feel it, but by faith I give it to you. And then your feelings will come after that. Okay? Next question. Uh, Matthew 20. Is it not lawful for me to do uh, what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So that's when God is blessing people and people are complaining, why did they get that? And I, I deserve that. And why did they get that? You know, you know how we get jealous sometimes and think, God, why did you bless them with that? And why did you, but I think I deserve more and they don't, they don't deserve that. That's in the parable that this question comes from. So Jesus says, is it not lawful for me to do what I want with my own people? I will do what I want. And and uh, yet we question God, why God does this with that person and does that with this person. And so God will take the question, but God says, hey, I can do what I want with my own people. And you be content with me. Whatever God does for you, you be content. And don't be jealous of what God did for someone else. Right? Because you know what? None of us deserve anything, right? <laughs> uh, so we can't complain if we, if we get a little bit like, thank, I didn't even deserve that, God. Thank you, you know? And if somebody else got blessed more than me, I'm happy for them. Can you be happy for others who get more than you? Huh? The, God will deliver you. If you have this jealousy, God will deliver you. Like, yeah, I'm glad that they got more than me, you know? <laughs> okay, the next question is, Uh, we're on John, John 21. It's Jesus said to Peter and Peter was wondering what the plan of God was for John. Peter says, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus rebuked Peter and said, what is that to you? You follow me. So, so uh, Jesus is saying, Hey, John is going to do this. And Peter says, well, what, what are you going to do with him?" And Jesus said, Hey, don't worry about what I'm going to be Worry about what you're going to do from before me. Don't worry about what they're doing. Worry about what you're doing and what I'm calling you to do. All right, next question. In Luke chapter 24, when the when the women are coming to look for Jesus' body and he's, Jesus is risen from the dead, the angel says, why do you seek the living from among the dead? The angel asking the women in the graveyard. So I, I hear God ask me this question all the time because sometimes I'm looking in the wrong place for life. And God says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Like, we go out into the world and we're looking for life in the world. And God says, the world is dead. You know, why are you looking for life out there? Look for life in here. You know, look for life in Jesus, in the Bible, in the church. We're going to find life there. Amongst amongst the dead, you won't find the living. <laughs> but if you get alive in Christ, you'll find life. So look for life in the right places. Next question. Now, God asked this question to Moses in Exodus 4, verse 2. What is in thine hand? Cast it down to me, and God says to Moses. So uh, I've heard many preachers use this verse, and they'll say, how do you find your you're calling like what god wants you to do because moses is in the beginning of moses calling before god God, moses says i can't speak right you remember that how god says go speak to pharaoh and and uh, moses says oh i stutter when i speak right and so god says what is in your hand and 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 he had a rod right so he said throw it down and then cast it before god and then that rod will become the rod of God, he says, right? So this, rod, with that rod, Moses parted the Red Sea, right? So that's a parable of our life. We can use it for our life. Is saying, hey, uh, you may not be good at something, but what are you good at? Like what's in your hand, right? And what's in your hand means what, what you can do. There's a lot of things you can't do, but what can you do? What's in your hand and you can do, it. and then take what you can do And lay it before God and say, God, I give this into your service, and because I'm good at it, I'm going to use it for you, God. You know, so God will take the rod in your hands, and you will part the waters with that rod, and you'll become a a a leader for people. Next question, Uh, Matthew 16. Jesus said, "Who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am?" And that's when Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Right. And now we're going to finish today. We're going to, before we finish and and break up into groups and have a discussion, let's look at these scriptures that I put in here because uh, our our blessed uh, camp speaker, Mark Trotter, brought these verses to us one year. If you remember camp, there was one year at camp where Mark Trotter said, these are the questions that God will ask you at the judgment seat of Christ. Who remembers that message? And this is in Job 26. God says, how hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that has no strength? Uh, How has you counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words, and whose spirit came from thee? So stop there for a second. So Mark Trotter preached a message on those questions, and he said, what if God stood before you and asked you these questions? Like, how are you counseling people? How are you helping people who can't help themselves? And how are, you, uh, uh, how are you speaking? Are you speaking the thing as it is? Are you speaking the truth? And then when you speak, what spirit is coming out of you? You know, like when you speak, are you saying the right thing, but the spirit's wrong? It has to be the right spirit and the right words coming out of you. So those are questions that we may hear when we face God face to face. And we know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. But then God is giving rewards. And some get more rewards than others because of how they've lived their life by the grace that's flowing through them. And then I finish with this, that that when, when Job is complaining through the book of Job and Job lost everything and he's suffering, You know, the the number one thing, and we can discuss this in our groups as we divide up. The number one thing that Job is asking, as you read the whole story of Job, Job says, you know what? I I trust God. I believe God. I'm not going to deny God. But I only want one thing. I want God to show up, and I want God to explain to me why he let these things happen in my life. Why did I lose everything? You remember the book of Job, right? And so what happened? Finally, at the end of the book of Job, he's tired of hearing every man's voice. I want to hear God's voice. Finally, God shows up. And when God comes to Job, and Job says, ah, finally, God's going to answer my questions. Did you know that God never answered his questions? Instead, God said this, right? Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man. For I will demand of thee, answer thou me. Where wast thou? When I laid the foundation of the earth, declare if thou hast understanding. So that's how God sometimes will answer you. Like God, you must answer my questions. God says, No, I have some questions for you, <laughs> right? And then you start saying, Oh, who who am I that I thought that I, you know, with something like let me worship God and like hey, anything I get is a blessing, you know. So let's break up into groups of. Uh, we have men over here and couples. We have couples. Couple here with Scott. We have some ladies on this side. And the, now, just pick pick any one of these questions that we discussed today, and say, "Hey, what do you guys think about these questions?" and and just discuss the question. You know, pick one or two, and then and then pray pray together, and then we'll be dismissed.